This is Network Zero episode seven. I think it's seven. I'm just going to uh, check on the Dark Days Radio website because it's been a while since we've done this. Um, I'll scroll down. Yeah, it's episode seven. I am joined by James and I'm your regular host, Chris. So, hi, James. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good. Um, so, this is. Uh, I think this is a this is more of a general episode because we've got a, we're not going to cover anything uh, Chronicles of Darkness today because we're still I'm still reading through uh, Mage: The Awakening Second Edition fully uh, though what I've read is it already reads a lot better so we'll do that next time uh, I think we still need to do some more Kingdom Death podcasting um, soon as well so um, we need to check which monsters we're meant to be talking about and aspects of the game. Um, but for this episode, we're going to talk about UK Games Expo because that is coming up very soon. It is, as we speak, it will be a week's, uh, less than a week's time. So as you are hearing this, it will be a very few, very uh, few days until myself and James will be at UK Games Expo. We are there as press, as always. We will be um, obviously rooting around for what's new in gaming and uh i will also be running on the friday and the saturday to demo games one for chronicles of darkness and one for vampire the masquerade fifth edition uh hopefully i will be sent a demo pack which covers the beta uh, beta edition of the uh rules uh and that is um That'll be cool because that'll be a new scenario. So I need to chase it up because obviously I need to read up that scenario before I do it. Uh, be- before we get into all that, uh, James, what have you been up to gaming-wise? Oh, man. Um, so it's been a bit of a crazy week. I've been playing... Uh, well, we had our regular scheduled D&D game this week. Um, got to do some character stuff for my character, which was fun, whereas I've often been helping people out. Um, board gaming stuff, not... Not a huge amount yet, but um, yeah, kind of been taking it a little, uh, little chill. Lots of reading. Okay, cool. Well, that's good. Um, ooh, what have I been up to then? Um, so tomorrow is the grand finale of the Turf War for uh, our Necromunda Underhive uh, campaign at the local shop. Um, so basically, the whole point is that uh, campaigns in Necromunda are not considered to be ongoing things you do like a uh, a stint of a few weeks of it what is called a turf war and then you would have a break and then you would have a few weeks later or a month later or two months later however long you want a break for to play anything else you then do another turf war with gangs returning or brand new gangs and it, it essentially it's designed to keep a bit of balance so you don't just have one gang really just racing away in in their abilities um so and uh power rating and gang rating and just generally having lots of cool shit so uh that's been good fun so we've got a fight for the king of the spire between the two top rating uh gangs in the campaign uh which one is uh one the um there's a goliath gang and the other one is my gene stealer cult gang so it could be death or glory with that battle. Um, and then the other game we're having, because I've been running campaign, we're having uh, another mission taking place for the other players, not taking part in the grand finale, who are doing a monster hunt. So that's a scenario that's in Gang War 3. So you can play some multiplayer as well, where they hunt down a monster. And it's tough. It's going gonna, it's gonna to rip some people apart. It ain't going to be nice. Um, so yeah, that's been, um, that's been really good fun. Uh, other gaming wise, um, I've painted up the rat catchers recently, so I need to play some guild ball at some point soon. Uh, and then we're just waiting to run some role play, uh, one shot at some point soon as well for, uh, Chronicles of Darkness. Uh, and then also I got through my backers, um, PDF copy of Cavaliers of Mars, which is kind of like a bit like John Carter of Mars, but mixed with more swashbuckling kind of Renaissance fantasy set on Mars. So uh, as some Venetian elements to it and and so forth. So uh, I need to dive through 
that book a bit more and get an idea for the rule system a bit more uh because it's designed i think it's got something in the the way the the, the combat system works so that it kind of better replicates sword fighting oh that's cool yeah so i need to read through that a, a few more times just to get my head around uh to make sure how i how that works and then hopefully i might run a one shot um of that uh and then yes that that's 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 gaming um hobby wise also i painted up all the bulkheads for my uh necromunda box game they look cool it didn't take too long to do uh you can find the uh, tutorial for that on beasts of war and obviously i painted up my van Sar gang who i think look pretty wicked uh the new models are awesome um i saw those i I'm sorry for saying the color scheme reminded me a little bit, uh, a little bit Deadpool-y, just like the red and black. I thought, with the yeah, it's it's <laughs> a bit, it's a bit Deadpool on them, um, but they look really neat. Um, certainly wouldn't want to mess with them. Yeah, they're they're a lot more sci-fi looking. They look very advanced looking um, mm -hmm. compared to the rest of the 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 40k setting of the Imperium. Um, yeah, it'd be really cool to like have a ton of them as your Imperial Guard army. You know, really advanced armor and uh, and and laser weaponry. Um, they look like they could give the Tau uh, a good run for their money. Um, right, uh, I think that's it. I've not played any Kingdom Death recently because I really need to get that campaign carried on, and everyone's been busy. Uh, I really need to fight Spidicules, so hopefully we'll do that soon. Hopefully next week. Uh, next Thursday before this Thursday coming before UK Games Expo. Right. Um, what else have we been up to? Horicon UK was interesting. Um, we met quite a lot of uh, different artists there, uh, like Paul Gerard. I want to say it's Paul Gerard, who has done artwork on things like Halo in the past and other computer games and films. And his concept art is wicked. And we've got uh, a limited edition print of Pinhead. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, we also got some other prints of things like horror films like Suspiria. Um, we also got some Dracula branded brandy. Um, and obviously there's cosplay in that. So I think Sam has another blog post to go up that is more about the cosplay and about the people there. Um, the one thing I will say, I don't know, James, like how you feel like when you've been to other conventions. So, you know, UK Games Expo. Yeah. It feels quite interactive because you're not just there to buy shit. You're not just there to go to see people dressed up as stuff. There's a lot of demos there. So you're actually getting a chance to, to do a hands-on with a lot of stuff. And especially in board games, man, you don't get to do that as often if you're thinking about, oh, maybe I want to get in on this. Yeah, like, and the people selling it, the people that are selling the stuff are very eager to talk to you about the game because the people you're talking to that are selling the game more than likely are the ones that have designed the game because they're there on their stand with their game. I imagine that's usually also the same sort of experience at things like Gamescom and all the computer game conventions where a lot of the people you end up talking to are the people who have been involved in the development of those games so they're quite passionate about that thing that they're showing off games video games ones are a bit weird because you generally like now uh, i'm i'm gonna tar all of us games developers with a rather uncomfortable brush but but a lot of them aren't very or a lot of us aren't aren't hugely social so getting stuck in a room with hundreds and hundreds of people you know so you get a lot of um the kind of uh the marketing guys the kind of outreach oh so right not, you know you're not really going to see a programmer at e3 demoing the game often right you know, sometimes you have it but like games are games are weird like that so it's um, like a it's like going to a science conference then because again scientists let's be honest they're not some of them are really great on the socializing skills yeah. and which isn't the, that, you know that's not a um before before we go further i feel like that's not a thing that we're saying is bad about people about those people no. just like you know i have some i have some very smart very nice friends in video games but you know if you said hey be in a room with hundreds of people who are expecting to talk it's to intimidating you, yeah yeah um because like obviously i did um in london back in 
January time, the materials uh, research exhibit. MR was it MRE? Yeah. Um, so I was like representing the university and the and the department to other depart departments of other universities and companies. So I had, you know, I'm I I feel my enthusiasm for science in general came through and the fact I knew enough about different projects. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm a nerdy programmer. I sit in front of a computer simulating stuff, but you know, it's a different thing to get out from that room and feel like you and have let's say present the enthusiasm for your work and what you do to lots of people that you you've never met before is is, is a challenge and can be initially quite intimidating i know maybe working for games workshop like you know broke me in as well um it's definitely a skill to learn but yeah so i, I would say uk gamers expo feels quite interactive with the people so at games conventions, you've more got the marketing people. Is that right to say, James? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of marketing. I mean, a lot of the places I've been, you get people hired in for the conventions who aren't really affiliated with companies at all. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then, like, I, I would say at Horicon, you had, like, a mix of people that were doing, had really cool products, so they were very happy to talk to them. Like, there was um, the artist that does repaints of the uh, monster, is it? It's Monster High, or is it Monsters High? I always wonder if it's the S or the S. It is Monster High, says Sam, off in the in the background. Um, but she does really cool. She was like, you know, happy to talk about that because obviously painting of that and painting of things is like interesting to me. There was also the the people doing like all the body art and creating things. But like when it came to like the stands with um with like people selling stuff. The, the interactive element was the people that were obviously the the artists who were selling their own art. Um, there wasn't much to do with. I, I'm, it confirmed my suspicion with Horicon, and it's mostly the same with a lot of horror conventions. Nothing to do with horror gaming, like horror computer games or horror board games or miniatures or anything like that. None of that type of thing. And you were like, I think, like you know, we've had like what is it? There's the Friday the Thirteenth video game now out. Yeah, or I mean, is that soon? I think horror. You see, like horror is one of those. Um, there's horror as the genre, and there's horror as the theme. But there's there's enough horror gaming out there. I mean, you you were talking about Outlast, Outlast Two. You've got um, uh, Silent Hill, Resident Evil Two. Well, Resident Evil. There's loads. Yeah, there's loads, isn't there? Yeah, um, and some of it is like some of it is doing some quite interesting things, but. Um, yeah, I guess it's it's kind of odd, isn't it? Like, would you would you reach out to that to draw people in? I mean, it'd be well, a really I... nice way to find playtesters who are into your like your genre. Yeah. yeah, I could I could easily imagine like one of the a portion of the room at Horicon that they had for for people doing like some of their demonstrations and trading. Like, it's a small room, but you could literally have like three. You could easily have like four or five tables set up I and mean, you could easily fit on there like you know i don't know betrayal at the house on the hill uh being run throughout the day uh another table could easily have something like the dark souls board game being run because that's pretty freaking horrific uh another thing easily just running you know someone doing a a, a drop-in game of kingdom death where the campaign just keeps going on through the day and people just pop in and take control of characters as the campaign continues um or you know or demos of rpgs and like to have people that possibly they're dressed in cosplay sitting down and playing any of those games as well would be pretty damned cool so i think there's something to be exploited there like i say exploited as in like horicon could reach a bigger audience and their audience would have the audience they have already would find discover new things and also have even greater overlap of interests if they have those interests. So I like LARP as well. Like, yeah, you've got cosplay, but like horror LARP is like a huge business. You know, there's only you know, you've got massive things like, you know, like the vampire the masquerade LARPs that go on already, but other LARPs as well and Cthulhu LARPs and all these other things, which yeah, I just think there's a there's an overlap to be there, and I think it could, you know, in my mind, 
it could be it would make a lot more interactivity within the event than just you know you going there to buy your things and then getting the signatures uh, just you know but that's just me anyway um right i think we should move on to the next topic right we need to talk about uk games expo oh yes Okay, James, so you have picked out a few things, and I have added a few things, and I think there's even still more things that we can talk about uh, with regard to uh, UK Games Expo. Um, so let's start. What's the first one that's on the list uh, that you think is um, interesting to look at? So um, it's interesting going through the list of the UK Game Expo stuff because you've got all the companies and the list of names, and you, know, you kind of look for names that kind of seem to stick out at you or like logos that actually kind of try and convey a little bit of what it was the first thing that sounded interesting to me was um parabellum and i was like that's a that's an interesting word let's have a look at what they're doing and they're um they're working on a uh, a board well a miniatures game um there's a human army which looks kind of quite classic uh knights or like footmen in armor, knights and things, and I was like, okay, you know, that's that, that's that's a fair enough thing. Um, but their elves basically like mass clone foot soldiers. Um, really? Okay, that's yeah. got me interested. Um, so I'm just looking at the website. So we've got what this hundred the hundred kingdoms, which is what some humans, the spires, the dwergum. Dwergum mostly is derived from the word dwergy, which means dwarf, which if you've watched the um, Van Helsing film with Hugh Jackman enough times, you'll you'll know from the, the dwergy that they do their best work. They do. Um, cool. Okay. Um, are there any cool images of the, um, of the miniatures out already? Because I've not looked at these. Um, so I think that their, um, their website is... A little, little sparse. Oh no, there we go. There's um, uh, if you go into the what's new, I think you can find um, yeah, uh, they've got some pictures from other cons they've been to, and uh, like Adepticon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, tell us more about the factions then that you you you've read up on for this. Uh, so the two that I've seen, as I say, there's um, there's the uh, the human faction which is um uh 100 kingdoms um and they look you know as i say knights foot soldiers whatnot but the um the spires is the one that kind of really clicked for me um because they have all of this weird like clone stuff going on um so a little bit of their blurb is that uh scattered through the land as if by the hand of a mad god the spires dominate the landscape they stand upon rising thousands of feet into the air they're a source of countless superstitions tales and myths the learned mm. know the spires house entire populations the last remnants of a civilization that dared to span the stars oh wow and yeah they they have like these grown creatures and some of their um some of the art that they have on their facebook shows how these um these creatures are kind of grown on racks and the helmets they have are actually how they're stored because they have these hooks on them. So oh. a little, like a little bit like you see in the old, uh, I say old, oh my goodness, um, in the middle new Star Wars films where you had the um, uh, the droids in the big storage ships yeah. and it just unfolds them. So um, there's these force gro gro uh, grown drones. They have these, um, they have marksman and like what's the better way what's the best thing for uh for a marksman we'll give them an extra arm so that they can fire an arrow whilst reaching for another arrow right so you know they've got these weird three-armed archer guys um uh instead of like a necromancer because they're not dealing with dead things they have a ferromancer who i guess um from the sound of it they mark their targets or something they draw uh draw the attention of the um of the weird creatures they've got. Um, and then there's always things like the abomination, which is just this huge, like fleshy, like fleshy, bony, centauri thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, it looks uh 
looks kind of interesting. Unfortunately, there's not a huge deal of that information at the moment for visuals, like the boxes for. Uh, yeah. There's an e shop, but no actual pictures of the the models in the boxes yet. Yeah. So looking at it, like they've got uh, one faction which looks very much like the uh, kind of reminiscent of the Empire from classic Warhammer fantasy battles. Mm. Um, their elves have a very kind of organic kind of... Oh, yeah, they're cool. Um, very organic, um, almost also a bit of a bar body horror vibe to them that rem reminds me of, like, the um, Alchemists of Durs in Confrontation. Yeah. Uh uh, they're kind of like bony elves, I guess, is the only way to describe them. Um, that's quite interesting. There's also like body horror because the, they've got like large monsters, elven monster type things, and, and as you say, they grow things. So that's kind of a weird kind of bone, kind of magic bone mancy, whatever. But yeah, they look. It's a. Uh, it'll be cool to see some of that stuff up close and see what so. Um, what's so interesting uh about the uh the rule system for that so um yeah cool i like the look of it yeah so you know that that kind of pop like um, especially the as i say like the the spy elves were the ones that really um stood out to me when i was uh browsing through stuff um yeah but yeah and definitely with our kind of interest in body horror and things one of the i, I think Something in particular, the um, uh, their their large critter made me think of Kingdom Death. I think the Oblivion mosquito from Kingdom Death, because we've seen some of the sculpts for what that's going to look like at the moment, and it's going to be a bit insane. insane. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. Um, let's get let's get our picks of it on the list that I put in because it's obvious. Um, so uh, I spelt that wrong. It's Modifius, not. Mephidius. It's Modifius, because we said Mephidius last time when we did the uh, actual interview with them. It's Modifius. It's always Modifius. Uh, of course, we'll be there. Um, obviously, they, they're they publishers for things like Coriolis, Tales from the Loop, which you've got a copy of, James, that we really need to play. Um, and obviously, they're they're now the, the publisher for Vampire 5th Edition, Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. Um, and uh, they've got the Fallout miniatures game they've got the star wars uh, star trek sorry rpg um they do miniatures for star trek so there's a lot there to catch up um so we will have a chat with chris birch um who owns runs manages you know uh modifius um so we'll catch up on what we can expect um and kind of just find out a bit bit more about kind of what he's excited about with uh vampire the masquerade and things you know how it what it's like to be involved in in that uh ip um and that you know because it is a classic game because i have high hopes for it i mean we've discussed on um dark days radio before and you know fortunately we have sam's wonderful insight into fashion design and photography which means you know all the things that people were saying about the artwork and the designs in that book, you know, they do make sense. I think it's just people are just too, you know, pre-programmed to expect vamp vampires to be to look a particular way. And you know, it's going to be great. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I just need to pre-order it um, soon. Uh, okay. Hmm. So there's, I don't know what else is coming out from Tales from the Loop. So we'll see what else they can say from that. Uh, obviously, there's the their Achtung Cthulhu. I've never really delved into. I know they've got miniatures for it. Uh, Weird War is not kind of my thing, really. Um, okay, what else is there then, James? Um, what's this? Who is Sinister Fish? So Sinister Fish is a company. They've got a game on Kickstarter at the moment. When I when I first looked it up. Um, it hadn't gone live on Kickstarter yet, but it is on Kickstarter at the moment. 17 days to go, and they are going to be at the UK Game Expo, um, which means that people can actually go and, I think, get a hands-on opportunity to play it and see what they think about it. Um, right, okay. It's a, a card drafting and village building game for one to five players. And 
a lot of my friends, you know, they really like board games, but getting the time for people to sit down and actually play board games all together, you know, sometimes they like something that they can play solo. That's why we play Kingdom Death. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. And so, it looks really well designed. Like the, It looks very... Looking at the pictures I've got, got up on um, Facebook, uh, it looks visually um, nice and clean and appealing. Um, what more do you know about it? Ooh, not a great deal yet. Um, okay. So I do need to have a dig into it. Um, I think what's their kind of... Uh, entry level so um they're looking at 22 pounds for their um their kind of basic pledge to actually get a copy of the game um, okay but that is going to be including your shipping so maybe um uh you know you might be able to sign up for it cheaper at the expo because we had that with certain other companies where we've been there and they're um kind of doing external kickstarter pledges yeah um is so, yeah. that? Oh, it'll be. It's already. Is it already on Kickstarter as well right now? Is it? Yes, it is at the moment. So, um, I think that was how many days left? Um, well, they've so, mostly yeah, got it's a couple of weeks left, which means that yeah. you could you could go to the expo and you'd still have about a week afterwards to um, figure out if you wanted to pick it up or not, and actually hear back from people on who've played it. Yeah. So that's kind of that's one that I'm hoping to actually have a look at because we've we've got a little bit more time there at the expo this year. Yeah, because we're going to be there for two day two whole days. Um, and uh, if people want to talk to us in person, just look for the guys walking around with big skulls on their t-shirts, or uh, find me after I've finished running my demo games because we've got our nice new banner. Um, and uh, we might have. I'm talking to. We'll we'll see. Uh, I'll see about the banner because, like, obviously, if I don't have to drag it around with me all day while we're doing other things, um, it might be. You might just see it somewhere else. Uh, I'm seeing if it, if it can uh, sit neatly with something else, which I'll explain right at the end. Um, okay, that's cool. Uh, I'm gonna. The next one I'm gonna talk about is the um, the the elephant in the room one. Which is Games Workshop because um, they're obviously now um, uh, they're they're what's the word? Oh, I can't hear the word. They're not partners, not funding it. They're um, sponsors. Sponsors. There we go uh, of the event, which is a huge thing to say. They're mm. sponsors of an event selling where everyone is at. That to me is a real shift in mentality of Games Workshop. Games Workshop right in the classic days of games workshop games workshop was the hobby i think this is a maturity of games workshop realizing that yeah they're the big fit the big fish in the in the lake right but they have to play happy with everyone else because the because the the hobby and people getting into the hobby is so diverse and getting bigger all the time by them not being at these events they're going to get gobbled up. And that's what happened with, you know, you look at the fact that they weren't making specialist games and, you know, all these other companies brought out their ver version of whether it be like their own flavor of Blood Bowl, their own flavor of skirmish games or games like Epic. So, you know, GW is quite friendly these days with regards to at least their marketing is very nice and humorous and a bit more aware. Um, so obviously I might pick up a uh, a miniature or two for Necromunda because obviously Forge World will be present there clearly showing off anything new for Necromunda. Uh, Adeptus Titanicus is the new game that they'll have more than definitely have on display there, I would expect. So Adeptus Titanicus is like Epic, yeah. but going back to its classic roots of where it was just Titans. Oh, crumbs. But the scale is bigger. So it used to be epic. Used to be ten millimeters. No, sorry, five, six millimeter scale. Ten millimeter was Warmaster. So they're going for a bigger scale, so that a Warlord Titan will be the same size as a, as a. Uh, let me think. As a, as a, uh, an, as a one of the Night Lancers that you get in current forty k, like the big 
you know, uh, walkers that the uh, Adeptus Mechanicus has. So that's the size of your biggest Titan. So it's going to be about, I'm going to estimate your Titans are now going to stand about six, six to eight inches tall, meaning your troops in the game are the knights. So they'll be about the same size as a, you know, a typical Warhammer 40,000 trooper in scale. I like that. I don't put off by the change in scale because the change in scale also means, yeah, it'll, it'll still be, you'll still have that big kind of scale where, you know, you're, you're playing over an entire cityscape, but the miniatures aren't so small that painting them is a bit of a, you know, you've not got much detail. So I think they're hitting the middle ground between something that's fun to paint and something that feels quite epic in, in scale. Mm. So that's cool. Um, as I say, Necromunda, uh, uh, I'm sure they'll be doing some stuff and doing demos to show off how um, Warhammer Age of Sigma has its second edition coming up soon. So that's updates to the rule set to do with magic. But overall, yeah, it's, it'll be it'll be cool to see their stuff there. I think they'll have a bigger presence this year. They'll mostly have actual... I'm guessing they might have cabinets with things in there as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much them. Uh, next up, what can you think of, James? What's next on your list? Oh, man. Well, um, so one of the things that struck me is that I saw recently that Pazio is working on a new edition for Pathfinder. Um, okay. One of the things they seem to be doing kind of as a big take or as a, a kind of take on the way that maybe D&D has done theirs is that they're doing a public playtest. So right. You, you can buy the kind of playtest rules. Um, it's, I mean, it's a little odd buying a bound copy of the playtest rules to me. Like, there's even a special edition of the playtest rules, and it's like, is this just, isn't this going to just be a book that's going to need to be errated the heck out of before it's a, a thing? Um, yeah, I'm not so keen on buying something which is actually a work in progress. Yeah, like D and D did theirs. Um, they released the beta for fifth edition, um, which was D and D next back in the day, and you know they release a whole bunch of free content through Unearthed Arcana, which usually acts as like a free playtest before it makes it into a book. Um, but I think you know playtesting rules, actually getting your community to engage with them um, and have a look at that and actually give you feedback on how it all works, that's really neat. So I'm. I'm interested to see because you know I do I've played a fair bit of Pathfinder just like I've played a fair bit of D and D and some of the extra classes in it I quite like I mean one of them that's probably um, you know up up your street as far as I would I would go to say is uh, there's an alchemist as one of the um, the core classes so you end up making like gadgets and potions and tinctures uh, tinctures and bombs you make lots of bombs and throw them and stuff but you also can make mutagens to turn yourself into a big hulk um so yeah you know like it's got the, the classes that have kind of been cribbed from D, D, but it's also got some other bits and pieces that are quite fun um cool. and with pathfinder originally being a deviation from uh the 3.5 rule set for D, &D like D now is on its own like it's on its non- old school d20 style um it'll be interesting to see how pazio moves theirs forward considering yeah. like yeah the version that they originally diverted from is not really supported anymore that's not the way the wizards have gone so yeah i'm interested in that and you know they brought the starfinder rulebook to the uh the expo last year and that was that was really neat like i'm still still debating picking that up because it is you know it's it's a big book but it's got space battles and you know rules for actual ranged combat so you're not fighting them the same way as if you're doing melee combat so mm. you know i'm interested to see how those guys uh those guys do okay cool um right i'm gonna another one i'm gonna pick because i'll be interested to talk to them a bit more about um how things are developing for it uh, Cubicle 7, they do a lot of role-play games. Uh, and the things that are most interesting to me, uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition. Uh, 
and Age of Sigmar, the RP uh, roleplay game. So with 4th edition Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, they've already teased a lot about the rule system, that it's essentially what we are familiar with from 1st and 2nd edition. Everything that we know from 3rd edition is in the bin because that was all fantasy flights kind of like system that is pretty much the same as what they use for Star Wars now. Uh, so yeah, we've got the classic percentile system, but you know, there's a bit more nuance to it to make certain, so you, you know, if your character is skilled, they should be able to just, you know, be considered able to pass certain things quite easily uh, or, you know, add in more about degrees of success. Cause I think, you know, classic Warhammer fantasy roleplay was a bit more, you know, boom or bust. Um, and being a percentile table, um, you know, percentiles, the problem with a percentile dice system is it's not a bell curve. And I like bell curves, right? Because bell curves give you a good idea of how, uh, gives you a good idea of likelihood of success and so forth. Whereas this is like either you're, you're over the threshold or you're not. Um, so yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, Age of Sigma roleplay, I would like to see if they could tease me about where they're going with the system with that, because obviously the Age of Sigma setting is a bit more heroic, high fantasy, uh, still dark and gloomy in places, but it's much more high fantasy rather than low fantasy that Warhammer really is. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm looking forward to from them. Uh, what else have you got then, James? Um, well, I mean, uh, there's always um, inside the box games. Oh yeah, of course. Um, I'm interested to see what they've got going on this year. I haven't been able to pick up a copy of Subterra, so I'm hoping that maybe they have some copies there. Reprinted. Good idea. Yeah. Um, and they're also. I think they're doing a board game jam soon. So any of our listeners who are interested in board games design. You can participate in that. There's, um, you should just be able to Google it and find it on the on the web. But um, you know, I've had a friend who's produced a game with them, and I'm always interested in what kind of stuff they're putting out. Cool. Um, they're also always really friendly. Like every time we've been there, they've been really nice and had a chat with us. And um, it's sometimes it's nice to just go to a stall <laughs> that's where you know you're going to have a uh, have a good break. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, also on my list, um, we'll have to stop off at the Steamforged Games stand because mm -hmm. Guild Ball 4th Edition is coming up. Um, I say 4th Edition, Season 4. So again, we've got some new guilds, new minor guilds, uh, may, most probably, you know, again, certain revisions to certain characters just to balance out the fact that some characters don't get used as much in teams as they should do, or, you know, just tidying up the language a bit more on certain rules again. Um, you know, Guild Ball's constantly evolving. There's a few things that I kind of get a bit annoyed with, like the way that updating and adding new guilds has kind of uh, raised the issue that you could own models, which you use as, like, you know, as... Um, as uh, the Union, who are kind of like a mercenary faction. So some of the models in the Union can be used in other guilds. But the Union is changing. So they're, they're becoming a faction in their own right. Uh, and certain models that you used to be able to use in your guilds as, you know, as mercs, you won't be able to use. So Mist, who I have in my Morticians and uh, in my Alchemist team, I won't be able to use anymore. So it's a prob I, I it's problematic when models become redundant like that, uh, especially when it's such a small scale game. Um, and I think they have to be a bit careful on costing because like they're bringing out resin miniatures to replace the metal ones now. So like they're redoing the morticians team all in resin. And that's like about 60 quid for that for those six models that make up a team with terrain. With a bit of terrain in there. Oh no, they're not terrain, they're a gold marker. And you know, I that's when I start kind of like I I start kind of veering a little bit away from them because you know, for twenty-five quid I get ten, you know, Vansar gangers with multi parts and tons of weapons and spare parts left over for making the next squad of them or whatever conversions. So 
I I feel the pricing's getting a little silly. Um, they've got their game God Tier that recently successfully funded on um, Kickstarter. I'm interested in having a go at that. We'll see what else they're doing for for Dark Souls. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about Dark Souls, James? Um, oh, I played it once. Um, I've not particularly felt that I needed to go back to it, but I think. Anytime I have looked at Dark Souls and gone, oh, maybe I should play some Dark Souls, I've just thought, oh, I could just play Kingdom Death, though. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Um, I think I think maybe I had like a slight rules problem to begin with because I felt like I'd hit this dominant strategy in single player that just broke the game for me. Um, and Okay, so you, you, you'd reached full kind of peak exploration within that game both mechanically and in other terms then i think it felt like i'd hit it i definitely think i made a like fairly sizable rules mistake but um yeah i i think i prefer dark souls itself as dark souls um yeah board game you know you don't get as much of like some of it is the the tension when you're playing the video game, some of it is when you're first exploring those worlds and seeing the crazy stuff that's going on in them. Whereas abstracting it to everything is going to be a square room, you know, they're already the locations that you are theoretically in, they're already places that are familiar to you. It's more of like a nostalgia tour. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. So you get a very, very different feeling from it. I mean, the models, models absolutely, uh, absolutely gorgeous it would be nice to get them painted but i'm not okay i'm not a hobbyist as you are for all the painting yeah um, i mean i you know i think the models are good i'm not thoroughly inspired by them when i've seen them hmm. because i you know when i look at it i go yeah well but i could paint something more fun yeah. like in some respects they also look a bit too it's weird they look a bit too generic at the same time i don't know maybe it's the material or or something i think there's just something missing mm. but yeah okay but like yeah i think the highlight's gonna be guild ball stuff for us there uh i don't want to and and i want to see god tier because again god tier is this very like um small scale skirmish game but it's i think it's hex based yeah hex based um i think you build your army out of like small blocks of troops so you have like a boss and three minions and you grab a bunch of these and yeah. then that's an army so it's like a um it's like living card games but as a miniature game you know yeah. you get the whole squad and variations in the box so you don't have to go out and buy a whole bunch of other minis or at least you know that's the feeling i got from looking at the kickstarter and there's a lot to do and i was reading about the rule system um to do about the ebb and flow of the game so that it pressures you into getting into the combat getting stuck in much like guild ball kind of pressures you to do stuff you can't just play defensively yeah um you have to be aggressive and i like games that kind of like push you to do stuff like you know this is like if we talk about necromunda as an aside, Necromunda Underhive gets you to do things, whereas like classic Necromunda, you your gang is all in Overwatch, and the opponent goes, "Well, my gang's all in Overwatch." And you're like, "Yay!" Um, yeah, that's not fun. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Uh, what else have you got listed, James? What else are you interested in? Um, so I saw there was um, Board Games Maker, um, which is boardgamesmaker.com. They're going to be there. They have a whole bunch of stuff for prototyping board games, uh, making making your own games, getting cards printed, tokens, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, I'm always interested in that. Um, I do like dabbling with design stuff in my spare time. So, um, you know, options to realize it. Yeah, sure. Are always neat. I think that's quite important because, I mean, I think between the two of us, we, I dabble with, well, I say I've dabble. I've designed a game um, as well. So, yeah, it's it'll be cool to kind of look into that, I think, for both yeah. of us. And I think, you know, being able to 
one of the big things with video games was we got a whole bunch of innovation when people did start going indie and being able to publish their own games and release them. Um, whereas board games, a lot of, you know, you can have still quite a barrier to entry to actually do a print run to, yes. you know, distribute them. Um, so having anything where you can say, hey, you know, I made something and I did a really small run, like I did 50 copies of it or something. Actually, you know, that's a nice way of being able to sell your uh, sell your game, even if maybe someone wouldn't on paper go, oh, yeah, this is this is definitely a thing we want to publish. Um, yeah. And, you know, that means you get those odd concepts. I mean, uh, like without even having to go to Kickstarter for it, you can actually just go, I have confidence in this and I'm going to back it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, what else will I pick out next? Uh, Grimlord Games. So we saw them last year and they had um, they had their kind of like Zombicide but in space game. Oh, yeah. Called Injured Stars. Now that's into a, like a 1.5 edition, and the miniatures were very well made. Uh, I think they're like they were single piece cast uh, using uh, a different casting method than I've seen before. Uh, I think they're still kind of like a hard PVC, but like uh, if you look at Steamforge's plastic miniatures, like that kind of um, casting is improving all the time, and the details are getting better. So what Grimlord games have also got are games such as uh, let me find it. Let me load up their website. They've also got uh, Village Attacks. So Village Attacks is again a kind of like a zombicide like game, but kind of like the table is turned and it's a co as it says it's a cooperative castle defense game for one to five players that sees you taking on the, the role of inf infamous and feared creatures of folklore and legend. So rather than the zombies coming after you, know, after you it's the villagers coming after you. Okay. So that's kind of hilarious. Like, again, you look at the, the pictures online for it, and it looks very connected rooms, you know, kind of as a, a bit zombicide-y in that sense. Because that's when I look at games like that, they, they're either very zombicide where it's a, a ton of miniatures, uh, cheaply, relatively cheaply made, that you have to fight against, or or it's a dungeon crawlery crawler type game, um, and the miniatures single piece. So in in terms of hobby, it's not like Kingdom Death or GW type, you know, like uh, Warhammer Quest. But the other game they're bringing along is their newest one, which is called The Ever Rain. Uh, so the idea about this is the world is drowning. So there were no alarms rung, nothing else happened. And it's been raining for months and months and months. There's kind of like oceanic kind of Cthulhu-y kind of, you know, type creatures there. Um, Everrain is a cooperative adventure set on the dark seas of a world on the brink of extinction. So that's pretty much what I know. So we'll have a look yeah. at it. Cool. Uh, it looks kind of cool. I kind of like the idea of that. It has that kind of, you know, uh, biblical flood type setting um that's that's neat uh what the miniatures or what the the components are like i have no idea so we'll see uh they've spoiled already a few miniatures and artwork it looks great um yeah so that's that one uh anything else james Ooh, um not from the stuff that i flagged up um i think you have a couple extra things on the list yeah sure um so Elite Dangerous, the RPG, I don't know much about the current version of Elite, but I guess, you know, space trading, space pirates, RPG, you know, should be pretty, should sounds good to me. I don't know what the system's like for that one, but I'll have a look. Yeah, like I think Elite as a game is generally, um, all the ships I think are single pilot things, so you're mostly space captains, going around and exploring. Um, one of the big things they have enjoyed with the continued running of the game is that they like to tease things. So there was a lot of stuff about this alien race. Um, and to begin with, there were lots of hints of it, but nothing like, nothing explicitly stated. They just, they, you just found these odd like pods on, uh, on the planets when you could eventually go down to them. And then 
eventually the ships turned up and then there was a big thing of like how on earth do you even fight these uh these ships so to see them well the fact that they're actually going into an rpg that could be really interesting like is it all going to be space combat is, or you can't you, you couldn't just be like hello i'm mr spaceship like that doesn't that doesn't really work does it um yeah but it'll be interesting to see like if is it an rpg it, it'll be an rpg set in the elite world so yeah yeah interesting okay uh let's see what else we've got ulysses spiel i don't know what they're bringing exactly because ulysses spiel has their european and u.s branches their u.s branch is developing things like wrath and glory which is the new 40k rpg uh fading the suns is another rpg they're developing uh the fourth edition for they're also they've got like the dark eye which is uh another RP, german rpg that they they uh they develop and produce uh, as well as doing translations for various games into german and other languages i think so we'll see what else they've got there um other things uh i'm just trying to think of uh let's see um oh um have we escaped the dark castle i was going to say escape the dark castle did really well on kickstarter last year uh i think we passed it we saw it was being demoed um last year as well at expo but they're back with some expansions so it's kind of like a um it's a very compact little game. It's all black and white. It has kind of a very classic D&D look to it. Um, I don't know that much about the Dark Castle as a game, though. Uh, let me just, you know, let me just read the description so we can, so people that maybe are interested, we could give it a... Uh... So the Dark... Escape the Dark Castle is a simple fantasy game for one to four players. So again, it's solo play. Uh, focus on atmosphere and storytelling. Player cooperation takes up to two minutes to set up, 30 minutes long. No two games are the same, so it's kind of procedural castle creation as you try to escape it. So I sense an element of roguelike gameplay, uh, gameplay in this. So, yeah, we'll see what, what it's like. And given that we have a lot more time, we'll try and sit down and have a look at the gameplay for it. Yeah. Oh, that... That, uh, you definitely hit the nail on the head of it looking like an old it looks like old school monster manual art or something from um the 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 old D, &D books or, or whatever yeah the other thing which uh, um i you know potentially i i i'm thinking if they have i don't know if it's out by them but i'm interested in, is betrayal legacy so obviously legacy games are now uh, a thing like quite a big thing like pandemic legacy uh other i'm trying to think of other legacy risk legacy uh gloomhaven you can consider as kind of a legacy game uh i guess kingdom death to an extent is a legacy game um in a way that each game each time you sit down and play it builds on the previous session uh so betrayal legacy is betrayal at the house on the hill which is a horror co-op survival game but someone betrays you and becomes the, the 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 monster the haunt whatever so how that works as a legacy game i don't know but i'm eager to find out i think there'll be that could potentially be really good because i know one of the one of the concerns i've heard about some of my friends who've had house on the hill or betrayal at the house on the hill is that if you've played it a few times you kind of know a bunch of the scenarios so replaying those you know you have to go in there and try and keep your meta knowledge out yeah sure yeah um whereas imagine say you um uh say you have a room you know you go into the room and now like someone dies in this room and this room from forever onwards is haunted you put a sticker on it and it's haunted by the ghost of someone who's died and that has an effect on any characters going through the room or something. It means that you build, you could end up building a much more personal haunted house and actually getting more variation and development as you play on. So it's yes. less, yeah, like that could be, that could be really neat. And that's the kind of game that I think could really benefit from a more kind of evolving, uh, evolving situation. 
Yeah, because I've not played. I've not played the original. Unfortunately, I've never got round to playing the original. I need to nail down uh, one of the guys at work to um, play it because I think Sam would also enjoy Betrayal House on the Hill. Yeah, because we like betraying each other. That happens in role play all the time. So why not in a board game? That's kind of like that. And in real life, she says, "Yeah." Um, <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, like I think a legacy game be kind of cool. Um, I'm trying to think what else is there that I've spotted. Um, uh, let's think. Um, any other ones, James? Oh, there's always the um, there's always the thing that I kind of I kind of drool over every time I go. There's those really nice gaming tables that I can never afford and will never have oh, space for. Oh God! Um, yeah, but you know, like a, a table with like a recessed gaming space where you can leave games set up and then turn it into a dining. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the dream. It's the dream, isn't it? Um, Indeed. Um, there's another game that's going to be out uh, that's coming up on Kickstarter soon that's going to be demoed there called Maya Marsh. Um, so it's goblins in the swamps. Uh, we got sent through the um, the preview of the rule book for the game because uh, you know we're on the expo mailing list. It looks kind of cute. Um, n- nice little miniatures. Um, you know, I I think you're just goblins fighting over space in the marsh and making little settlements so uh you know it's looks like it's up to four players i think so cool you know looks like it's gonna have some nice components i can't really say much more than right now just looking over it uh they're a uk company they're based uh, in nottingham i believe uh yeah so that's that's that um some of the Onyx Path crew will be there because I believe they're demoing uh, Pugmire and Pugmire's uh, card game, which is going to Kickstarter called, uh, I think it's going to Kickstarter, uh, called Fetch Quest. Oh, that's, so that's good. They'll the be there. Fetch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's think what else is there. Obviously, other things I'm looking forward to. Um, Depending upon what I buy, you know, uh, I'm interested in seeing some nice MDF terrain because I would like some more terrain for my uh, underhive. Um, yeah, uh, let's say game mats. A lot of good roll-up game mats these days from companies like Deep Cut Studios and GameMat.eu and more. Uh, Battle Systems will be there with their card terrain that clips together. Uh, they've also got a, a, a miniatures game coming out for sci-fi stuff, which I can't remember the name of, but they've got a miniatures game coming out. Then there is, uh, let's think, who else is there? There's, there's a lot. There's going to be a lot. There's going to be more than you know vendors than I can think of the, these days. It's uh, the guys behind, I think, behind Wild West Exodus because they picked up, so that's Tabletop Combat. They picked up the license to Wild West Exodus, or they had it, Dystopian Wars, and all of that range, and they've combined it together to create create a cohesive setting. Oh. Uh, so that's kind of a steampunky Wild West kind of Victoriana um, setting at different scales. They actually uh, were giving out. Um, they were giving out one of their uh, character minis. I'm still I'm still yet to paint that, but I will paint it at some point. I just haven't got around to it. Um, but it, it was like for plastic. Yeah, it's like a really well made miniature. Um, what else? So yeah, that's, I think I think we've covered a lot of stuff that were interesting. Obviously, we'll see more stuff while we're there. There are you know the usual suspects that are present, uh, and other companies as well. The plan is also um, you know we'll see what. So getting on into other news like Beasts of War have recently brought out their 2.0 version of their website, which is a lot easier to use on any platform. Uh, So that will support in in the near future channels. So what channels will do is like content providers like ourselves will have a channel, a little space on their website where we can upload, write articles, put stuff out, obviously host this podcast as well so it will be in two places at once in case you have problems accessing it in the future on podbean uh 
So the point is that that means the website in time will also be re will have its new brand, which is called OnTableTop.com. So that is their overarching umbrella brand that will support channels. So Beast of War will be now a channel as part of On Tabletop, and then Dark Days Radio will be a channel, obviously, and with Network Zero as our you know as an episode type within that so we will be a channel dedicated to you know chronicles of darkness world of darkness and horror gaming in general so that's quite exciting so it will so when you look around the the event hall you will see beast of war in different t-shirts because it will say on tabletop instead um so that's kind of exciting i like that and uh, it'll be good because obviously after the because we'll be there you know after you know for two days we can you know we can chat to them after the uh the first day of event is over and and stuff and uh i'm taking along a board game so we can play something uh i'm taking along a copy of leaders the the combined game oh they'll be there actually rudy games who are a german company that make that game leaders will be present so leaders is like risk but uses a tablet to manage secret actions much like a tech trees and boycotts and sabotage and assassinations so it's a really good game so hopefully we can get a few people sat down and we can play that and obviously try to take over the world uh yeah i think that's that's pretty much it then for expo obviously there's a comic convention on at the same time so hopefully we can just do a little bit of a mooch next door and see some of the people cosplaying and uh, if there's any comic-based crap that we want to buy. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yes, that's about it, I think. Anything else, James? Um, oh, if you do happen to be going down to the UK Games Expo, um, they do have a bring and buy. So if you've got any board games or um, I think maybe roleplay books, I'm not sure about books, though, uh, you can bring them down... Um, you want to pre-register if you want to drop them off, and uh, you can kind of get those sold whilst you're browsing around the expo. I might even be bringing down some of my old World of Darkness books myself. Ooh, mm. okay. That's good. Uh, and yes, as I said, if you see us walking around, uh, say hi. Uh, we had people say hi last year. That was interesting and weird experience. Um uh, but yeah, you know, we'll chat to you about stuff. Uh, I'm also going to a little meetup. Uh, James, you should come along to me. It's about uh, for uh, RPG designers meetup. Oh, so, right. uh, yeah. Um, so that'll be good because um, to to see if there's anything to, you know, help out on or team up on. Uh but yeah, that's that's basically it, I think, for this episode of Network Zero. I'm sorry, no Chronicles of Darkness content this this uh, this episode. But um, if you had if you haven't listened to our previous episodes uh, on Dark Days Radio, there is currently the most recent episode is a Let's Play episode of Gamma World, uh, where Mike Chig are uh, uh, led through uh, a scenario by Matt. Uh, and then also we are still running. So while, when this comes out, you are still able to enter the competition to win a ticket to The Night in Question, which is Sabbath-themed LARP in Texas uh, this year, later this year. Uh, the ticket is worth like $189. Uh, rules and everything you need can be found in the previous episodes that you will find in this feed on Darker Days dot com uh darker dash days dot com uh right so if you want to get in contact with us uh then best way email at uh darker days radio at gmail.com facebook dark days radio uh twitter at darker days radio uh that is it we also have a blog which has got some pictures and stuff up from horicon pictures and stuff up from miniatures uh, we need to do some more reviews of things at some point. It's just been a bit busy with actual real life shit as well, which is the same for everyone, but you know, it'll be good. Uh, and of course, because we got our new banner done, I will try and do some new video content because then I've got a nice banner that shows Dark Days Radio in the background and I don't have to do other things. So uh, well, I'll see what I'll do a video review of, uh, uh, you know, or, or a playthrough of, you know, it might be nice to play through Necromunda 
on video because it doesn't take up too much table space. Anything else, James? Oh, yeah, we might be. Uh, we've been discussing maybe some video content, haven't we? Um, maybe actually some horror gaming video. Oh, games? yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, we should do some playthrough of that of something. Um, yeah, we can do some. It'd be good to do some streaming of some sort of horror game. Even if it's just me watching you play and backseat gaming uh, and taking the piss as you go, that'll be fun. I mean, that'd probably be much better for my. So, as much as I do love the horror, I am a bit of a wuss when it comes to playing the video games. Um, I think there's something about having to manually commit. Like, if you know that you don't want to open the door in a video game, I can just decide to sit here and not open the door. Thank you very much. I mean, I can't move forwards, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the the moral support would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> well, of course, uh, and of course, uh, the other community we've got is we've got our Google Plus, um, our G Plus community, which we still you know people use. So you can pop in there and and chat and say hi and discuss gaming. But that is it for this episode. Uh, so yeah, we will hopefully you know see you at UK Games Expert. Uh, and that is it. So uh, see ya.